join us if you dare. It's movie night at your drive-in of terror. Each week, you'll hear about one campy movie for a laugh. One terrifying feature sure to scare your pants off. And one kid-friendly scare for the little ones. Or not-so-little ones, needing a little less terror. The show's about to start. Get comfy and sit down in front. Oh, and one more thing. This episode contains spoilers. Consider yourself warned. Enjoy the show, if you're brave enough. Take it away, Shay. I'm Shay, and I'm here with my good friend Tom. Pull on in to our drive-in of terror for season two, episode 10 of Scare Your Pants Off, because it's movie night. In tonight's episode, our fright-filled feature is A Nightmare on Elm Street. So grab your snacks, we'll kill the lights. How you doing, Tom? I am really, really good. How are you? I'm, I'm really good. You realize that we are currently recording our 36th sixth <laughs> our 36th episode we are we are almost older than me in podcast episodes that's yeah i can't believe it it's, it's crazy i mean once you're, 10 in that's yeah it's been quite i can't believe it's been that many 36 that's uh, mm-hmm. i gotta pat ourselves on the back there because absolutely I, that's pretty pretty damn productive to be able to produce uh, you know record produce all these episodes in that short amount of time i mean so crazy 36 mm-hmm. what so, have you been up to anything good uh not a whole heck of a lot um you know i i work a lot but uh go, going to a couple cookouts this weekend so that'll be good just getting out and doing it um uh, yes this is going to come out later but it's like the last long weekend of the summer right now so mm-hmm. try to try to enjoy it and and do some fun things um what about you uh, nothing honestly nothing nothing super exciting we're going to just go out do some walking and um we are, I'm not going to say what, but I I think we have, uh, Eric and I are going to do a couple's costume for our Halloween party uh, nice. in September of 2023. And um, it's, I'm not going to say what it is, but if, if we end up picking it, it's really funny. Nice. And he is such a good sport. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, no, other than that, nothing much really. Have, have you watched uh, Sandman? I did. I did. What are your thoughts? I liked it as overall. Uh, one weird, uh, weird scene, the fight scene between him and Lucifer, who, but I mean, the actress that plays Lucifer, uh, what's her name? Brienne of Tarth, uh, right? Yeah. And, uh, she's great and everything, but there's a weird sort of fight scene and uh, that kind of took me out of it. And I, I, like I've read some of Sandman. I don't remember reading that scene. My guess with that was that it didn't translate well from the comic book to the the screen. So it, 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 it was kind of weird. And then the 11th episode, which I thought it was only gonna be 10 because that's kind of standard now with Netflix series, 10 episodes. Um, and I watched it and, and the, basically that story kind of ended on that 10th episode. And then all of a sudden it plays going playing into this next episode that's, uh, starts with animation. And I'm like, this is weird. And that, so I'm like, is this whole thing? I don't know if I can do this whole episode if it's all just like this. So I fast forward for a minute to see if it, and then it got to like real life. And that second part of the episode was much better. Uh, so I rewound what finished the, the first part of it, but, um, yeah, overall liked it. Like I said, that just those two things kind of were a little wonky. What about you? I so I liked it too. I think I'm I think I'm in the same place that you are. I did like it overall. I definitely think there there might have been some translation from the comic book issues. Um comic books, sorry. Um, but I I really I really liked him. I he's phenomenal. And um I think my favorite episode might have been the one where he was kind of following death around for the day. 
Oh, yep, yep. That was a good one. Because it was kind of cool to show, like, that aspect of it. And I think that was really neat. But, yeah, the, the cat episode, I don't... I couldn't. I, and it, I was in the same spot as you. I'm like, if this goes on much longer, I I can't watch it. But when it picked back up and they talked about the muse and stuff, that was really cool. I did like that. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think my... I, I the episode I really liked was the guy that they granted eternal life and he keeps meeting him every a hundred years. I, I don't know why. I mean, it's not a super exciting episode. There's more action than other episodes and stuff, but I don't know. I really kind of, I like, I liked how they did that, that concept, like nobody would want to live forever. And you know, that him, they think, and then he just, he did every hundred years. Up with them, and, he, and he's like, I got so much more. Even when he had, he's like, eighty. I've been beaten up and you know tormented for the last eighty years. My family died, and he's like, okay, you want death? And he's like, no, I have so much to live for. And it's like, so I, I really enjoyed that episode. But yeah, overall, it's a whole, you know, some wonky parts. But I, I like know. that episode, and I like that. And honestly, I was getting a little mad at Sandman. I'm like, call him your friend. Your friends. I'm sorry. You're going to meet him every hundred years and have him drink. You're his friend. I don't care. Yeah. Finally, finally he did, and it all was all was good. But I love that episode too. Actually, it was a really good episode. Yeah, it was because it was a cool concept. Because there is that debate when you think about eternal life. Like, would you really want? Like, I don't think I would want. Like, when I was younger, of course, I wanted to live forever. But now, as a, you know, forty whatever I am, two, I think. <clears throat> <laughs> you're old it's like i don't think i, I don't think i would want to live forever personally so um yeah yeah it, definitely interesting uh do you watch lock and key i can't remember i know we've talked about that i love lock and key okay and you finished that final season there i did so there's a rumor and i don't know because i i have a lot of the comic books and there was like the main series and then they had other series and one-off stories and stuff. There's rumors that there, even though that's the final season, there may be like one-off seasons coming in the future of, of like the different stories that they, uh, Joe Hill Stephen King's son has created within that universe. So I, I heard the same thing actually. So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's right. Cause it was a, it was a great series. Yeah, I like that. I'm not a super sci-fi fantasy guy, but that I just very, very much enjoyed that series and the comic books. So good. It it's funny too because the little um, he played the kid that plays Bodie in yeah. it is Georgie. Yes. And he by the end of the last season he was so tall. Yeah. I was just like. It, it it's funny because you watch these you watch these kids basically grow up, especially if they're growing up in a genre you love. You see them really in everything they're in, and it, like he's like he's so tall now. He's not. Yeah, he's becoming a young man now. It's it's funny. Yeah, he's a good little actor too. He really is a good a, a good little actor. Um, yeah, yeah, I like that one. TV is so good now. There's just like so, so much good television out there. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. <sighs> okay. So do you have a campy today? I do. And this one is great. For those looking for a laugh, it's time for the campy. I love this. I'll call it a franchise. Um, even uh, the first one's the one that most people have seen. I, uh, I'd be surprised if a lot of people have seen three or four. <laughs> critters three or four uh and uh, yes i just uh, let it out i'm talking about the critters franchise so critters is a 1986 american science fiction comedy horror film that was directed by stephen herrick and it was actually his directorial debut it stars d wallace m emmett walsh billy bush or they they call him billy green bush and uh I, I had totally forgotten Scott Grimes in his film debut. Scott Grimes uh, play, is in the Orville right now as Lieutenant Malloy. He's a, I, I really, really like the Orville. So, uh, I find it to be a very, very fun show and you know, a, a cool send up of uh, like the Star Trek. So essentially, 
is the plot follows a group of small, furry, carnivorous aliens. And the kind of, I, I always thought they were kind of like, I thought they were almost a little more cute than scary. Um, yeah. So, it, which kind of adds another layer to it too, because they, like, to me, they are sort of innocuous looking or whatever, but are, uh, you know, there to eat people. Um, so these furry aliens are, have landed in a small countryside town to feast on the inhabitants of this said town. And the, uh, it, basically they are trying to escape or get away from two bounty hunters that shapeshift. And that's the plot of it. And you know, pretty basic, but it's a lot of fun. It's uh, there's camp in it. There's, uh, there's, you know, there's some good comedy or funny scenes and some darker scenes. And I just remember seeing that I was pretty young when I saw it. I don't remember the exact age um, because, like I said, it came out in 86. Uh, this I found interesting. It was actually supposed to come out, I believe, about a year a year and a half earlier, but there was some controversy uh, that it was too close to Gremlins. So they ended up doing, uh, you know, Harry, he refuted this and uh, they actually ended up making some changes to the scripts to kind of distinguish it because Gremlins had come out in 1984 and was just a massive, massive success. So uh, they changed it up and it came out a little bit afterwards. Um, so... So the original came out in 86. It was followed two years later by the second called Critters 2, the main course. Um, a little a little sillier, uh, you know, kind of as these went on, uh, embraced a little more of the humor or the campiness to it. Then that was followed three years later in 90, 1991 with Critters 3. Again, a lot of people probably haven't seen this one. Um, lower budget and everything but i still enjoyed it then there was critters 4 that came out a year later and, and if you haven't seen critters 3 you probably haven't seen critters 4 but it's definitely worth a check out if you're a fan of horror or you're looking to get into horror this is a, sort of a a fun franchise to get into it because there's humor in it and it's not it's dark but not super dark I, um and critters 4 was followed 17 years later in 2019, and I have not seen this one, but I'm going to try to find it, called Critters Attack. And it's got an exclamation point after attack, kind of like Mars Attack. Um, but never seen it. Have you seen Critters Attack? No, I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued, though. I, I would watch it. I would check it out. Yeah. I, uh, I, I uh, definitely gotta, I'm definitely going to try to find it. There was actually talk at one point of uh, making a Critters series um i don't know whatever happened with that but i thought that that might be pretty fun i'm always here for a good horror series um so and uh yeah that's that's essentially it about critters guys um i don't like i said if i went into super detail we'd be here all day but it's definitely worth a check out it's uh in my opinion it's a classic it's uh at the very least a cult classic and worth uh even if you don't check out any of the sequels, because like I said, they do get progressively a little bit sillier and maybe a little less of a budget. So some of the stuff doesn't look maybe as good or whatever, but uh, definitely, definitely you got to check this out if you haven't, or if you're looking to get into it. Um, what'd you think of uh, the, whole, the whole franchise or even so, just first? I haven't seen all of them. I, Critters wasn't something that I really saw um boy uh, that i really remembered for i i know i saw it when i was on the younger side but i didn't really remember too much um but i i really liked the first one and honestly like i don't know what they changed i don't know how much they changed i don't i don't see gremlins i it, like that wasn't my first thought i mean yeah you have little fuzzy things but you can't own all little fuzzy things yeah so like i don't know i i, I thought it was good though and it's 
I definitely think it's kid friendly too, though. I think it really could have been, it really could have been both. Yeah, I I agree with that too. I think it's kid friendly, and yeah, I didn't see it. Maybe it changed. They changed a bunch before it came out, but I didn't see the connection either. Really, like I mm-hmm. like I I can kind of make that stretch now that I've heard it, but it, it is not where my mind would first go on that. So, yeah. um, but yeah, that is. All right. Well, if you're okay with it, I'm going to dive right into my feature. Please. For those brave souls ready for a fright, it's time for the feature. So we're going to venture to Springwood, Ohio and talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street. One of my favorite horror movie icons is Freddy Krueger and he's because it was when it when it started it was it was just such a unique idea and you have you know your your typical slashers and they attack you in your neighborhood at camp and here and there and whatever but Freddy is so deep-seated and I remember it being when I was younger one of one of the horror movies that genuinely gave me nightmares like it actually because it was just such a scary concept so i'm gonna go over and just kind of tell you in order what the movies are we have uh, in 1984 we have a nightmare on elm street 1985 we have freddy's revenge 1987 dream warriors hands down my favorite yeah i think it's mine too i mm-hmm. think it's it's so good dream warriors it really is. Um, then we have 1988, we have Dream Master. 1989, we have The Dream Child. 1991, we have The Final Nightmare. And then 1994, we have A New Nightmare. Uh, then in 2003, I it's not always listed within the franchise, but it is, but it isn't. You decide for yourself, however you feel about it. But uh, we have Freddy versus Jason. And then in 2010, we have a re-Freddy. And it is, it features Jackie Earl Haley. I have thoughts on that, which we'll touch on after. Um, So these are all done by Wes Craven, who, uh, as we're filming this, we are in the very beginning of September. You guys won't be hearing this until October, November-ish. But we actually just passed Wes Craven's anniversary of his death so he died on august 8 uh 30th of 2015 and that was a huge loss for the horror community very sad wow i didn't realize we were on the anniversary but yeah that's a big loss within the community now i'm gonna tell you a little bit about freddy's origin and i don't mean freddy krueger's origin i mean where the idea came from because this is one of my absolute favorite hey how'd you come up with that stories um now craven said that he used inspiration from a bully from his school um a disfigured stranger who kind of scared him when he was about 12 and the 1970s pop song dreamweaver which was sang by gary wright in an interview, he said, and this is a long quote, but I'm going to read it because you have to hear this story if you don't already know it. Uh, he said of the disfigured stranger that he saw, when I looked down, there was a man very much like Freddie walking along the sidewalk. He must have sensed that someone was looking at him and stopped and looked right into my face. He scared the living daylights out of me, so I jumped back into the shadows I waited and waited to hear him walk away. Finally, I thought he must have gone. So I stepped back into the window and the guy was not only still looking at me, but he thrust his head forward as if to say, yes, I'm still looking at you. The man then walked towards the apartment building's entrance and I ran through the apartment to our front door as he was walking into our building on the lower floor and I heard him starting up the stairs. My brother, who is 10 years older than me, got a baseball bat and went into the corridor, but he was gone. End quote. Creepy. So creepy. Right? I have stand I have 
that goose flesh right now. Just just yep. listen to that. It's like hairs on the back of my neck are standing up. Oh. Yeah, it's like I said, one of my favorite. I I, I want to call it an origin story because it's where the idea originated from. But the one of the origin stories for an idea. This is has to be my favorite because it's just so unique yeah. and it's so scary. And if you think about it and you put yourself in like little little West Graven shoes, that's terrifying. Can you imagine that? No. <laughs> it's uh, too scary. <laughs> oh god, that's creepy. All right. So now to go a little bit and talk about the Springwood Slasher, aka Freddy, aka the Dream Demon, and his actual origin within the movie. Pre-Dream Demon, 20 kills, he had it under his belt. Uh, he killed 20 children in a boiler room, not all at the same time, one at a time. He didn't just gaggle up 20 children and then kill them all. He did it over a period of time. The parents at the time of Springwood um, were fed up with the lack of justice being brought to him, took it into their own hands trapped him in that building and burnt it down and he killed him now you're probably wondering why was justice not served so what happened is uh freddie was arrested um but he was not convicted he was actually let go because someone signed a search warrant a search warrant in the wrong place charges were dropped and I think that's not great, like that he got out, but that is, I love that they talked about that loophole. I love that they talk about how that happened because a lot of horror movies will miss details like that and just leave you like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They actually explain it and I loved it. Yes. I have to talk about Freddie's mom a little because I, she's not like a huge part of the movies. She is in them a little. Well, in a way because she's not living anymore but she is in the movies a little bit and um I, her story is really interesting and it really kind of gives a little bit extra to freddie's backstory um so freddie is freddie's mom is a nurse at a psychiatric hospital and it's depending on what you read uh they were on kind of like short staffed a little bit because of like a holiday and she got accidentally locked into a room with a hundred patients these hundred patients went on to beat brutally and rape her resulting in a pregnancy uh eventually fred krueger is born is put up for an adoption and then is adopted by a rather by a family with a rather abusive father so it kind of gives you a little bit almost like a sympathy for freddie you're not going to have sympathy for him because he's a bad guy and he actually did awful things but you get a little bit of a you understand i guess um so i'm going to go over a quick synopsis of uh, the first nine, uh, the first seven movies, not the first nine movies, the first seven movies. Um, so, like I said, we have uh, in 1984, which is the first one, A Nightmare on Elm Street, we get to see Johnny Depp. He's in it. His death is one of my favorites. He gets kind of like, like sucked into a bed and then just, oh, the blood and the... <laughs> I love it. I think that... It's tough to pick, but I think that is my favorite death of the whole franchise, I think. It's definitely, it's up, it's not my favorite, but it is up there. Um, you have, the movie kind of centers around a group of kids all slowly falling victim to Freddy, but it really kind of centers more around Nancy, who is plagued by these nightmares and, and eventually her mom takes her to a hospital because she wants her to sleep. And they give her medicine and make her like force her to fall asleep. And they have like all the electrodes on her head and they're kind of monitoring her. And she gets attacked by Freddie again. And she grabs onto his hat and then she wakes up. So she's the only one that's been able to do this so far. 
Um, so she wakes up and she has the hat. She's the only one that's been able to do this. She's the only one that has actually pulled even part of him into the real world. And this is what she wants to do. She wants to find a way to pull him into the real world because she, she thinks that when he's in the real world, she can kill him. Now we'll go flash forward a little bit. They have her home from the hospital. Her boyfriend, Johnny Depp, um, ends up being killed while she's watching because they live across the street from each other. So she gets to see the whole thing. And she kind of starts to think that the mother maybe knows a little more than she's letting on because she's at this point said the name Fred Krueger. She has described the glove. She had the hat. She all this stuff, and now she's starting. Kind of starts getting suspicious that the mother's hiding something, and you find out that she was. And that is when you find out that her mother was one of the ones that took it into their own hands and did away with a monster who deserved to die. Um, and he's now basically seeking revenge on all of the kids that he didn't get to kill when that happened, it, you know, seemingly. And we have in 1985, we have Freddy's Revenge, which is, I don't super love it because Freddy's a little more earthbound in this one than he usually is. It's, it's okay. Uh, he uses a high school boy uh, for his body and uh, Freddy has the brains as, uh, as they say in the movie and in the song Nightmare on My Street. Um, then we go to number three, which is Dream Warriors came out in 1987. This is my favorite. Best deaths for me by far. So good. I love this film. Love this one. So the deaths in this one were so, in all of them, I, honestly, the deaths in all of the Freddy movies are so elaborate and so unique and original, and they're all really, really cool. But this one, you have a, like the, the girl that wants to be an actress and her, her head into the TV, and then the, um, the, the mouth, the mouth on the arms where, yeah, right? Uh, the, the kid with the thing in his ear, and, uh, but my favorite is, uh, the boy that used to build the puppets falls asleep. Oh, I know, right? Uh, Freddy digs into his wrists and his ankles, and it, it almost looks like he's using like veins or something as the strings to the now marionette of this boy that Freddy has, and he walks him down the hall while he's sleeping, and uh, you know, up some stairs, and then basically out onto this ledge, and then just plummets him off and all of the other patients that were you know suffering the same kind of stuff were watching and screaming and trying to wake the kid up and he didn't and it's being said that he committed suicide but he didn't he was killed by freddie and it was really really cool uh and nancy one of now one of the doctors in the hospital uh notices that Kristen might actually be able to pull him into the real world and they utilize her and they try to do it you know obviously now we have number four so freddy is not dead um four is cool it's got the waterbed scene it's you know it's it's just another freddy movie really not a lot to say if you've seen freddy you've seen them all well you've, you've seen the other freddy's you've seen this one really yeah. um then in five you have dream child which you have Alice from the fourth movie. Uh, she is now pregnant, and Freddy's basically weaponizing her baby. Kind of cool so concepts. Some really, they're a little cheesy, but some kind of cool effects, though. In mm -hmm. um, six, we dip out of Springwood. It's a typical Freddy movie, just no longer in Springwood. And then in 1994, we have a new nightmare. Now, I really, this is not my favorite, not my favorite by far, but really kind of a cool concept is you have um the actress that played nancy and robert england himself playing themselves on a film set of nightmare on elm street but it's real yeah it's this one like a lot of people are down on this one i i like this one like it's different i mean it's not my favorite but 
it didn't get very good reviews at the time and um i i had like a like a sort of meta e feel to it and um it's uh like i i, I thought it was pretty good honestly mm -hmm. nope i agree so those are the initial seven um and then i'll talk briefly we're gonna you know we've got freddy versus jason which it joins two huge horror movie franchises it joins nightmare on elm street with friday the 13th i almost said friday the 13th by the way in my like it almost came out friday the 13th so i decided to say it. um but it joins them too now of these two franchises on my horror pedestal freddy's higher than jason i like jason or freddy's higher for me in the end it wants you at first to believe that jason beat freddy and if you're me you're angry because no that's not possible there's no way there's zero percent chance that freddy is gonna lose to this big oaf understand again i love jason but um yeah i was a little bit angry but then all of a sudden like he's he's walking away and he's got freddy's head and the eyes open and you're like oh, okay that makes sense that's that's my freddy um <laughs> Did you like that one? You've seen that one, right? Yeah, I um, I liked it. I I my I remember at the time thinking I wish it would have been more of a definitive winner. And I was thinking, you know, like I don't even at the time I don't remember who I would have rather won. But I I like thinking. But I kind of <clears throat> always knew that they would, you know, not make it too clear cut. Um, yeah. But I uh, I didn't hate it. I was, I remember being very excited at the time because it was like you said, it's these two massive franchises coming together and there was always that rumor or as a kid, you'd always, who would win in a fight, Freddie or Jason, you'd pit like these horror movie villains against each other. And then we actually got to see it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'd have to say overall, I liked it. Yeah, no, I, I, same. It's, it's not my favorite and you do you go into it like when it first came out you went into it kind of being pretty sure they weren't gonna let you know who actually won because why would you do that to either franchise but i'm just uh, it's i'm glad in a way that it wasn't so clear-cut because i wouldn't have liked it if jason won yeah because you would have ended up killing one of those franchises I, clear-cut winner yeah nope i agree and then in 2010 we have the nightmare on elm street that featured Jackie Earl Haley. You can probably hear <laughs> the unhappiness in my voice. I get overly passionate about horror movies. It's it, it's me. If you know me, that's just how I am. I can't help it. Um, this movie, were it a standalone movie, and Robert England was never Freddy Krueger in any universe ever in life, then it would have been okay. I realize that that is not a very nice review, but it is my review and I can't help it. My, they emphasized a lot of the darker parts of Freddy, which I, I understand to a point, you know, Freddy's a pedophile, you know, he did bad things to those kids, but this movie really embraced it almost yeah. to an uncomfortable level. Yeah, it was very yeah. front and center in this one. Like, yeah. very, and like, it's hard to laugh at the Freddy jokes when it's so in your face that he's that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, ex exactly. It's, it's then there's another problem that I had beyond that, which I guess to each his own, but I had an aesthetic problem with Freddy and it was his, it was Jackie Earl Haley, not a bad looking dude. He's, you know, he's fine. He's whatever. But his Freddy, the way they put the makeup on him and what they did with his nose and, and just, he looked like Voldemort wearing Freddy makeup. And it's, it just didn't do it for me. Right? He did not look like Freddy. I could totally see that now. I hadn't thought of that. But yes, I could totally see that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what I have for the A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So. Nice. Yeah, I love I it's like this is one it's like I really like it and then I have some problems with it. Like he he says the word bitch way too much throughout the franchise. Oh, 
way too much. And we're supposed to laugh like almost every time he says bitch. And it's like, uh, but overall it's a class. I, 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 I love this because growing up, I remember doing with friends and we were pretty young, seven, eight, but we had, you know, sleepovers back in the eighties and, uh, just whatever ones were out at the time, like one, two, and three, say we would just rent them all or the mother, somebody's mother or father would rent them for us. And we just, you know, stay up all night watching the Freddies and freaking ourselves out and stuff. So it has a very nostalgic spot spot within me. It it really, yeah, I agree. It really does. It's it's largely nostalgia. I I did hear something interesting though. And, uh, I, I think anybody who listens knows the faith I have in Blumhouse. Um, so, you know, Jason Blum and supposedly, and I don't know how true this is because obviously people lie on whatever, but um, it's possible that he, Blumhouse got the rights to A Nightmare on Elm Street. And Ooh, they, okay. right? So what I'm hoping for, and I agree, by the time the Freddy movies progressed. It was a little. There were points where you're like, okay, it's it's enough. It's it's we're we're good. Um, but if we think back to the Halloween movies, a similar kind of thing happened. Eventually, you were like, all right, that's you're still gonna watch it because it's your you know one of your favorite franchises. But it's enough. I'm hoping if he gets it, he does what he did with Halloween, and yeah kind of undoes maybe some of the unnecessary stuff um he also i it's i believe he's said that he doesn't want to do it unless robert england will do it but he has faith that he will be able to talk robert england into doing it i hope he can and i think i know Robert England might have some reservations about it, but Freddy's not a super physical character. He is physical. I won't say he's not physical at all. But Freddy turns into a lot of things. So a lot of it's face acting for him. So, and he's Robert England, and he was in Stranger Things, and he was fine. <laughs> I don't know. We'll just, yeah. So I'm hoping. Fingers that, crossed. that would be awesome. If anybody can really resurrect this franchise, it would be a blum. Like, uh, like I would have, because I mean, you, he just puts out great stuff, even the sort of lower end, low budget ones that they put out are really good. It's so, if it, yeah, that, I, I am totally here for that. That would be freaking awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed until it happens. And Robert England, if you happen to listen to this podcast, please, please yeah. be pretty. Yes. All right. You got a kids movie for me today? I do. Oh, wait a but, minute. Yes. You got to rate it. Uh, yeah, I was just. So I feel like we'll rate it. We'll rate A Nightmare on Elm Street as a whole. On a scale of nightmares from one to ten. What would you rate them as a whole? Okay. So last week when we talked about the the chucky franchise i gave the whole franchise an eight and that was including the series and everything like that so from nightmare on elm street tough but as a whole a lot of this is some of this is nostalgia vote and i realize some of this might be harsh just because having rewatched in 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 the ensuing years but I will give seven out of 10. So I was going to go a little lower. I was thinking like 6.5, but I think as a whole, like just because of that nostalgia in the feels, yeah, I have to go seven for the whole franchise. Seven. I get that. All right. So yeah, again, I, I struggle because it's, it is really way harder to rate these movies than I thought it was going to be. A, I, you know, I, I was like, oh yeah, everything's a ten, and I mean, can't, can't, everything can't be a ten. Um, for the whole franchise, excluding Freddy versus Jason and the 2010, you know, yeah, I'm gonna give 
the whole franchise with for largely nostalgia trust me um is as a swaying factor here i'm i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten nightmares nice i can yeah i somebody with freddie it's like you could tell me it's your favorite or you could tell me you hate it and i would be like okay i understand with that with that franchise it's like other ones like i'd be i'm a little more protective of but i get it with because there are some weird things in freddie and some weird installments so but you could like like yeah, totally see that eight. Totally. All right. Well, I believe you have the kids' movie today. For the <coughs> little ones, it's time for the kids' scare. I do, and I know I sound like a broken record, but this is one of my favorites. Uh, I'm going to briefly talk, guys, about Ghostbusters. Uh, just absolutely love Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is a 1984 American supernatural comedy horror-ish film that was directed and produced by Ivan Reitman and written by Dan Aykroyd and uh, Harold Ramis. I, two of my, all my comedy heroes. Um, and this cast is just it, it's like a who's who of comedy geniuses and and just other great actors you got bill murray as peter venkman as a kid i always wanted to be peter venkman of it because i remember this was huge you know it came out and what did i say 84 i believe um or 86 um i was young when it came out but i remember kids on the playground uh you know playing ghostbusters and you would pick who your favorite and i was always i always uh like Peter Venkman. Uh, then you had Dan Aykroyd as Ray Stance, Scorny Weaver as Dana Barrett, Harold Ramis, another, oh, so fun, uh, as Egon Spengler, Rick Moranis as Lewis Tully, Annie Potts as Gene Melnitz, William Atherton as Walter Peck, and Ernie Hudson as Winston Zedmore. So just, just an amazing cast. And like I said, it's just, it's the the general plot is you know a, a three sort of eccentric parapsychologists start a ghost catching business in, in in new york city and that is that that's basically all you need to know about the plot to uh to enjoy this i know i understand most people probably have seen this because it is such an iconic and uh, you know it was a hit and it's iconic um film but so I remember, uh, I remember this when I was a kid and not really understanding that it was kind of more of a comedy than maybe a uh, science fiction, paranormal or, or horror because, you know, I'm young, like five, six when I first see this and, uh, you know, but upon rewatching it and understanding and looking at the cast and the guys that write it, obviously it's a comedy. And, um, so this is great for, uh, for parents and kids. It was follow. There was a sequel Ghostbusters two, which I liked. It didn't do, it, it wasn't as well received, even though more people went to see it, it broke some box office records. It just, it, people didn't seem to to like it as much. It came out in '89, so like five years later, or four, uh, three years later, and uh, but still, totally worth checking out, guys. It, it, I, I really, really like it. There was also a uh, a cartoon. I mean, there's been comic books and other stuff, but there is there was a cartoon that uh, ran, and I didn't realize the cartoon ran for seven seasons over the course of six years and did over 140 episodes. I never I had really, no idea. I didn't, because like when I said kids were playing it at my in elementary school and whatever, picking it, I think when we're watching the cartoon, I really wasn't, really wasn't my cup of tea at the time. And the movie was just so iconic. And like I said, I liked the second one, but uh, yeah, I didn't realize it had gone for so long. It was such a, uh, such a big hit. There was supposed to be a, another sequel uh, series called Extreme Ghostbusters. I don't, 
and I think it was going to follow more of Slimer. I don't really know whatever happened to that. And then, you know, I talked about the sequel. There's the new one, Afterlife, that just came out, what, last year-ish? Um, and I have not seen this one yet. And I know I probably should have seen it before this, but I, I don't even know where you, you can watch it yet or whatever. But I have heard amazing, amazing things about this Afterlife. Have you seen Afterlife? I am I am shocked that you're slacking that bad watching this, Tom. It is such a, I have seen it. And it is it's such a good movie. It was, oh my gosh, it was so great. And I will tell you, um, at the end of it, I definitely got like, I had like a lump in my throat. It was, they made some choices that were beautifully done. And I <laughs> held the night, but I was there. I looked over at, um, my fiance and his he had a little bit of a gloss in his eyes so he could deny it all he wants but i saw it there were tears at least forming in there and they oh, it was it was so great but the movie the movie was really awesome that's what i hear and i've heard and that scene you're talking about i've i've heard people saying then like grown like grown ass men being like I was bawling like a little child in that scene like it was just immediately like and they even say it's not even just tearing out I'd be like full-on just ball snot just fucking like just bawling from it so I am I am gonna try to find it this weekend some somewhere um, on one of the one of the million apps that I have or whatever because I, I know I've been I've been slacking on, I've been slacking on a lot of new movies, but uh, yeah, I've heard nothing but yeah. really really good things. You you are missing out if you haven't seen it yet. Honestly, it it, it really is it it is really really yeah it's it's great and to see to see mostly most everyone again. Obviously, yeah. it was yeah oh. Yeah, unfortunately, Perfect. since then, Harold Ramis has passed on. And I, Ivan Reitman passed on, too? Or is Ivan Reitman still alive? I I'm, thought he was still alive. I don't even know. Because the new one was directed by Jason Reitman, right? Or something? Yeah, it is. It's, I know, maybe, you know what? I don't know. He may have passed. I actually don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, But, yeah, so, guys... Do yourself a favor and sh and check these out because they're a lot of fun. The effects are great for the time. Slimer, these ghosts, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. I was obsessed with the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man when I was a kid. I just thought it was it was so funny. And do some like if you're into it, do some supplemental research because there's a lot of fun stories by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis on how they came up with concepts of 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 the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man and in the evolution of the Slimer character and stuff like that. One thing I liked uh, that I've thought about in recent, I actually I think I even read an article about it. So when we look back on a lot of these 80s movies, it's like you remember it one way, but then it, when you really start thinking about it, it's like, well, maybe that person wasn't the hero or something. Like, for example, Saved by the Bell. And you see mm -hmm. the Zach Morris's trash videos out there because he was the main character and stuff, but he did a lot of like, like very shady things, like borderline creepy sexual predator type stuff within Saved by the Bell with tricking girls into going on dates with them and just weird things. Or if you look at uh, uh, the Karate Kids trash, there's another set of videos where Ralph Macchio really is kind of, if you look at some of his behavior, he's kind of a, a dick. And they touch on that in Cobra Kai, which I love in new season, September 9th uh, of Cobra Kai, cannot wait. But uh, yeah. so when you think about this, you know, it's these three guys they, they're parapsychologists that have started ghost busting um, company. And they've, uh, Egon's developed tech, which basically is a nuclear reactor that they're carrying around on their backs with the, with the guns and what they trap the, trap the, uh, the ghosts in. And then you, the, the main, uh, aside from Zool and sort of the supernatural villains within, uh, the series you have the villain of walter peck the epa agent he works for the environmental protection agency and they treat him like a villain and a joke and a jerk and everything because this is untested tech 
nuclear reactor on their backs and he just wants to you know check it out you know make sure it's safe because they're walking around with a nuclear reactor on their back but yeah. he's the bad guy so i thought that was kind of a funny way to look at it like in reality this is kind of the good guy because if i saw a guy walking around with a nuclear reactor on his back and it's never been tested it's not safe he's shooting radiation around not so great so i thought yeah. that was the f kind of funny way to look at it even though i mean that's part of the fun in the whole ghostbusters it is silly and stuff so but yeah that is good that's what i got for ghostbusters i've really enjoyed this is the i mean for me i feel like god any age almost for uh, for ghost but at least the original second one maybe had some darker parts to it but um you know so maybe a little bit older eight nine or ten there but yeah like, um yeah this is this one's fun for the whole family it, like i said there's a lot of good stuff for adults in there too because it is you know these comedy icons uh so yeah so what do you think i think so first of all i have to say it's i've always had like a thing for older guys i don't know why uh, even at a young age i always i had when i was little i had the biggest crush on bill murray ever like venkman was to be one of my husbands i was gonna have a bunch of husbands apparently that, that was what I was gonna do. but it was him and believe it or not this, i get a lot of funny looks for this one um uh harry anderson really um, That's like, funny. like six-year-old me huge crush on harry no idea why that's funny you know i mean no offense to harry anderson but a six-year-old should not have a crush on harry anderson but i did i he was yeah he was gonna be one of my husbands um but yeah uh i would say the first one i i think literally anybody could watch this it's it's not scary in again the adult humor when you go back and watch it as an adult there's so much of it you miss all of it when you're a kid so they're not gonna know anything you're gonna be fine yeah but it's gonna be so funny for you uh two though i will say maybe a little bit older i agree um because i know i was pretty young when i saw it and i had a little brother and i was part of me i'm sure at the time was hoping someone would come and take him but the other part of me was scared that some creepy dude was gonna come in his window and kidnap him so it was definitely a little bit darker than the first first one watch it use your discretion but maybe a little bit older than the first movie definitely check him out guys absolutely but uh you got anything else for me today no that's all i got all right thanks for joining us meet us at the snack bar next week when babadook is on the big screen until then sweet dreams thanks guys as always thank you for listening feel free to reach out to your hosts by email at scareyourpantsoff9 at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Be sure to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications wherever you get your podcasts. If we haven't scared you away yet, you're our kind of people. So check under your bed and keep your feet under the covers and those closet doors shut. <laughs> Until next week, my friends.